0: I am very excited to talk with our first Women in Sailing podcast guest, Lisa Demannon. Lisa competes with teammate Jason Waterhouse in the foiling NACRA 17s. After sailing together for a number of years, team Lisa and Jason got their first taste of gold at the Youth Worlds in Brazil in 2009. Then in 2016, they made their Olympic debut in Rio and proudly brought home the silver. Lisa was also named Australian female sailor for both 2015 and 2016 and these are just a few of her achievements during her sailing career. The COVID-19 virus has changed everything for everyone including our Olympians as they now have 12 months to go until the Tokyo Games commence. I talk with Lisa about various aspects of her sailing career, past experiences, challenges and lead up to the Tokyo Olympics next year. Hi, Lisa. It's my pleasure to welcome you here today. How are you? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, look, it's our pleasure. I'm sure there'll be a few fellow sailors who will be keen to hear about your personal journey and the lead up to the Tokyo Olympics. So let's get started with the early days and where it all began.
1: I started sailing when I was about nine years old with my older brother. Um, naturally, I was really scared and didn't like it at the beginning and I cried a lot. And I think mum and dad used to hide on the rescue boat so I wouldn't try jump ship and swim to them. So mm-hmm. Um, good on them for doing that because it obviously turned out pretty well for me um, but yeah it was it was always hard I think sailing can be quite scary as a little kid but I think the first time that I got around my first race racetrack um, things started to click and you know sailing was a huge part of my childhood and um, all my greatest friends and I just remember loving Sundays down at Manly Skiff Club. So um, big part of my, me growing up and I also was sailing against my cousin Jason in little Manly juniors back then and progressed through the junior classes. And then um, he asked me to sail with him when we were 16 um, to try to do the Youth World Championships together um, yep. and that was on the Hobie 16s.
0: And I understand you won that one, your first gold medal.
1: Yeah, so we did two Youth Worlds together, one in 2008 in Denmark and then in 2009 we were in Brazil and, yeah, won the Youth World Championships, which was really exciting and that was sort of the first time that... I sort of considered that the Olympics could be a path for me so that was fantastic to do that um, with Jason and then we heard a bit of a rumour that the Mix multi-car would get in to the 2016 Olympics so we're kind of in the right place at the right time and um, we're really excited about that but didn't really know if that was going to happen and then I think it was 2012 that we got the got the uh, heads up that it was happening and made the decision that we'd give the Olympic thing a go and try win a gold
0: medal for Australia. Fantastic. So that was the NACRA 17s that were introduced into the Olympics. And for those who don't know, please share a little bit around the style of um, that one design boat.
1: Yeah, so the NACRA is the um, it's a catamaran, and it was semi foiling for Rio, and now it's fully foiling for the next Olympics. Um, so it's double trapeze. Um We've obviously got we've got three sails with the spinnaker and the, but uh, it's. It all comes out of the manufacturer in Holland. so they're supposed to be identical and the boat speed is fairly similar. but as you can imagine, there's a huge amount of variables that you have you can control. And so we spend a lot of time offshore mainly going in a straight line, testing equipment and settings. So um, right now we've got rudder and daggerboard settings that you can change. But their foils are actually all the same and the sales are all the same. But you do get little discrepancies uh, in between equipment. So um, we usually find like one in four sales is, well, one in three sales is really good. And then the second one's okay. And then the third one's not so good. So it's so all those little one percenters that we're looking for um, because it is one design, but you know, you're just trying to find those one percent
0: little advantages. So in regards to your physical condition, um, I suppose you'd have to have a lot of core strength. So what's your general training routine like?
1: Um, Well, usually we sail on water Monday to Friday, so five days a week if we're at home. Um, And then because the weekend's too busy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sydney Harbour
0: is absolutely crazy on the weekend. Yeah, yeah.
1: and then we usually do um, six Water sessions. So that would be three strength sessions and three cardio fitness sessions. So I'm the crew on the boat. So I'm the, at the front pulling all the ropes and running up and down trying to keep the boat flying. So yeah. for me, it's super important. And in a mixed class, you know, I've got some six foot two guys at the front of the other boats that are racing to pull their spinnakers up quicker than me. So um, I've got to be the strongest fittest that I can be and um yeah I really enjoy that side of it and pushing myself to be the best athlete I can be as well as sailor.
0: Fantastic and then um you and Jason um Jason's extremely tall as well so you mentioned six foot guys um so uh you know you're two very opposite individuals so share a little bit about that.
1: Yeah I think The cool thing about mixed sailing is that you know we have a very good um mix between female helms and male helms as well as crews obviously um but I think Jason and I are very different obviously physically um but we make we kind of balance each other out also like mentally he's so tactically clever and um such a good racer that he's so good on the back of the boat that there's no way you would put him at the front of the boat okay. um so he makes a lot of the decisions and i make the boat go fast but i think off the water as well i'm the very highly organized um planner and he's the very go with the flow um don't worry about it kind of guy so i think in an olympics in an olympic campaign when you spend four years or in our case 10 years of our lives together Mm. um it's really good to have that balance because you bring out the best in each other your strengths sort of even out and you become a better
0: individual
1: by learning from the other person
0: so yeah yeah that's fantastic that's a fantastic insight and i think um A lot of um, crews can take that um, into consideration when they're putting teams together. We want to see more women on boats um, through ability, but also because we want them to balance those teams out um, as well. So you mentioned the Olympics, so Brazil. Um, What was the lead-up to Brazil like and what was the lead-up to the said Tokyo Olympics um, this year? So comparing... um, you know, going into Brazil, it was your first Olympics. You didn't know what you didn't know. And coming into Tokyo was something that you've been there before. So what are the differences or what were you feeling makes a difference between your first Olympics and your second Olympics?
1: In the first one, we didn't have as much pressure on us, but we, put the pressure on ourselves like we went there to win a gold medal and obviously coming away with silver by one point was disappointing um that we didn't get the gold but I think when we realized how far we'd come we could be really proud of that result but I think we just didn't know what to expect it was a very different event to any other event and I think we were leading on the last day by like 18 points and then had a complete shocker because of our inexperience we weren't really looking big picture we were looking small picture um, so that was pretty disheartening and now i know <laughs> or hope that we will never make that mistake again um, we did have a tight selection battle with darren Bundock and nina curtis um, and darren's now our coach so that's worked out quite well and then obviously we've had a really tight selection with uh, nathan and hayley outage this time but i think Jason and I had a lot of confidence in ourselves because of the years that we'd spent together in high pressure situations proving ourselves across conditions Mm. and I think last time we were kind of we didn't really know what was going to happen but we're going to give it our best shot whereas this time we've got a lot of preparation and confidence
0: in our performance based on historical events. And I've also read that you did a pre-Tokyo sail late last year as well. What was that like going into Japan, you know, the the test sail on the Japanese waters? Are they different to what we have over here? Well, obviously, water's the same, I'm sorry, but the conditions, (laughs) the environment
1: yeah so we spent um the last two years in August we've been in uh Japan training on the Olympic waters and um I have to say that they are the biggest waves that I have ever sailed in um so for a foiling boat it is a huge challenge but we're pretty lucky here in Sydney because if we go off the heads um, and train in a nor'easter, that sort of big chop that you get out there is quite similar to Japan. Um, and then, even in the south, like southeasterly, those big swells. So, we've got the opportunity mm. in Sydney where we've got the inshore, flat, shifty water, which we get offshore in Japan. And then, if you go offshore, you get the onshore breeze um, that we're expecting uh, for the Olympic time slot. So yeah, amazing place to sail. It's about an hour and a half train ride from the center of Tokyo in this cute little village where everyone surfs and super lovely. And yeah, it's a fantastic place to sail and spend some time.
0: And I can only imagine the, the facilities there would be second to none.
1: Yeah, well, it's actually the same venue that they held the 1964 Sailing Olympics. Um, so that's quite cool. And it's, I think the one thing that is a challenge in Japan in general is space. So we've mm-hmm. all got um, – it, it is a really good yacht club, but we do have to be really conscious with space. Um, everyone's got a little footprint that they're allowed to um, be in. But uh, as you can imagine, it's very highly organized
0: in Japan and we're very mm-hmm. welcomed there. Fantastic so how many um, boats will be on the water in your class and who are the key players? So I think there's 21 in the NACRA um,
1: or 20 I'm pretty sure it's 21 um, but so it's a bit different like our world championships you have like 40 to 60 and in the Olympics is only 20 boats mm-hmm. so um, for us At the moment, the key players are the British and the Italians um, in the last two World Championships winning those, Mm -hmm. um, where we got bronze in both of those. Um, But I think with this extra year that we have, it will open up a little bit because there's – some teams that have showed a lot of progress like the Danish and the Spanish yeah, um, they're just getting better and better so I think we've got to keep our eyes on them but I think the difference is that everyone seems to have their niche at the moment like if we get these sort of conditions you know the British will excel or if we get these conditions the Italians will excel whereas I think for us we're pretty good in everything and there's a few little things that we need to uh, work on but I think our the best case scenario for us is that we get mixed conditions, and that's where we will shine.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that because as you said previously, you know, going off the heads, the different um, wind patterns, etc., different waves. We've we've got it all here, so we're very very lucky. Um, well, oh, oh so what what did the changes to the Olympic mean to you? You you mentioned that there's some guys coming into their own or teams coming into their own. So um, where where do you see the, the major changes? So we're going, uh, we've got another year and one day, I think difference <laughs> uh, compared to going into next month or or later this year.
1: Yeah, I think it was a big shock for everyone and, but it was definitely the right decision Uh, I think the tricky thing is four years is a long time to be thinking about one date and then that date moves so I think everyone was quite you know upset confused a bit unsure when it happened because you know our lives like everyone's lives has been changed but I think the thing is the year is an opportunity and everyone's going to be using it as an opportunity to get better Um, but it is also another long year of hard work so I think Mm. it's going to be a huge balance between pushing as hard as you can and staying fresh because as we know in sailing it's such a decision-making sport that you need to be fresh and ready and um, I think we feel really ready right now. But we have to kind of conserve that adrenaline for a whole year and and, um, peak at the right time. So I think for us, because we had a um, bit of an injury last year, we took a bit of time off the water. So we've been here before. Um, And I think for us it's actually going to be quite a good thing physically because it's going to give us more of an opportunity to test a lot of things that we sort of put in the nice-to-have column. It now becomes a things to do <laughs> yeah. um, but everyone will be doing that so I don't think that everyone, anyone's going to be relaxing. I think right now we've got to take a little bit of time to reset but I think the problem is for Olympic Olympians in general right now preparing is that we don't know when we're going to be let out of the country again we don't know when we're going to be allowed to compete again um, or meet up with training partners mm. so I think the uncertainty is that we don't know what our calendar looks like at all.
0: Mm, I suppose and, that comes yeah. down to your focus and your end goal, pushing through those challenges during challenging times. So, um, you know, obviously you want to go in with a really good mindset. Do you guys have to um, re-qualify or is it just a natural progression that, you know, are the same teams going into the Olympics as what's been selected now?
1: Yes. Yeah, so the Australian Olympic Committee have confirmed that anyone that has been selected um, holds their place uh, for selection, so that's not going to impact us. Um, and I think that's actually going to, I mean, some countries such as the Italians haven't selected yet that we're aware of. So I think every country could be different, but I think this, the thing is in historically late selections have not led to good Olympic results. Um, mm-hmm. So the fact that we have this opportunity now to have that confidence that, you know, we're going and all we, we need to focus on is the Olympics now, um, I think is actually going to be a really good thing for us because, say, other teams that had early selections were able to, you know, look at the, at, at the other events differently and conserve good equipment, whereas we were going 100% at every event. Um, whereas now we can, you know, pick our battles and make sure that we're, we've we got the best equipment in the best condition ready for the 23rd of July, 2021.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, well, we, we've got our fingers crossed for you guys anyway. So um, what lies ahead for you, when I, I did mention focus, end goal, challenges?
1: Yeah, I, I mean... The rumour is that in October there may be some events that we can start competing in. But for now, we're just we're staying off the water um, just to try, you know, do our part for the community. And I think what we're doing is we've got all these projects that we would have liked to do that now we have the opportunity to do. So I think a lot of um, mindfulness and sports psychology Um, also there's a lot of boat work that comes with the NACRA. so i've got a whole reel of ropes and lots of splicing stuff to um fill in my time over the next couple of weeks just do all that boat prep while i can and um you know we've got sails that we can measure and things like that so i think there's lots of little jobs that uh, we can do behind the scenes and then obviously heaps of fitness. So the goal is to come out of isolation and than we went in. Um, so we've got little home gym setups and yeah, just be able to hit the ground running when, um, you know, the, the borders are open. Yeah,
0: so so what's in your home gym? So for everybody out there, you know, how how can they um, set up their home gym? What would you like recommend? So I've got a, I'm lucky that I've got a spin bike, um, a lot of people,
1: or like a little kicker that I can put my road bike on. And um, and then I've got a lot of bands, so they're like elastic um, bands that I can just hook onto a doorknob or put over the top of the door so I can do all my pulling. And then I've got two sets of dumbbells. So, I can do all my bent over rows and um, bicep curls and things like that, or body weight squats. So, I'm doing, I'm having a little bit of fun with all my workouts. I've, um, you know, on YouTube, there's so much that you can have a look at. I usually have a very structured routine, but um, so I usually do like a a yoga or a Pilates in the morning, um, and then I'll do maybe an hour on the spin bike at different um, heart rate levels and then the next day i'll do my my strength in the morning um which will be um a bit like you know you are going a push pull mm-hmm. um and then some leg stuff and mm-hmm. and then and then do a yoga in the afternoon so i just trying to stay mobile and i think I'm doing a lot more sitting than I'm used to. So yesterday was a light day and I did a lot of sitting and then I got up and I just did some mobility to finish the day and Mm -hmm. I was feeling super lethargic. And then once I did that, I had heaps of energy. So I think even if you're just moving for 20 minutes, morning and night,
0: it definitely helps your mind as well as your body. Yeah, I think that's a great message to send out there. Um, So when you're not sailing, let's move away from sailing. What are your favorite things to do? I know, um, you know, I get out and go walking. So what do you you enjoy doing away from sailing?
1: Uh, I think usually when I'm not sailing, I'm pretty exhausted. So I don't have a lot (laughs) of energy for activities, but I do love a good walk with a friend and a coffee at the end of it. That's something that's definitely refreshing to do. I um, also love being outdoors so going on walks or a bike ride in the national parks is and um, i used to be really into you know arts and crafts like some sewing and painting and stuff so um, i've got into a little bit of that um while we're off the water as well so just trying to switch off i think is something that i really enjoy because i'm always you know high adrenaline on
0: a foiling boat going (laughs) way too
1: fast i think i like to just balance it out with a little bit of zen
0: yeah no oh look that's fantastic and look just to finish up um words to the next generation of sailors let's let's see if we can inspire and um empower some younger women and even more mature women to get out on different types of boats so again what would your what would your words of wisdom be?
1: I've got two things to say about this the first one is if anyone says that you're not strong enough tall enough or good enough ignore them (laughs) because (laughs) everyone said that to me when I said I was going to crew an anacra and just you know no one's gonna believe in you for you you've got to do it yourself so you know ignore all that and just if you want to do it just go out there and do it and then the second thing is that I think don't do what is you know expected or preferred like some people think there's this one pathway that you have to take to be an Olympian Mm -hmm. or to be a sailor like if you haven't sailed when you're young then you're never going to be a sailor that's not true I think the best thing that you can do is try lots of different types of boats See what fits for you. Not everyone is going to enjoy sailing at 25 knots all the time, or not everyone's going to enjoy sailing on, you know, five knots on a smaller boat. So I think try lots different things, see what works for you, and just enjoy it because as soon as you stop enjoying it, you stop performing and
0: it's not worth it. What are you doing if you're not having fun? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So look, um, we wish you and Jason all the very best of luck during your Olympic journey. And I hope to catch up with you after the Olympics, but if not before, um, before you head off, just to get a a snapshot of where you are in say the next eight months. Um, But in the meantime, all the best, Um, enjoy isolation and (laughs) um, we'll catch up with you very, very soon. So thank you again so much, Lisa.
1: Thank you, and I can't wait to hear the other women
0: in sailing that you'll be talking to in the next couple of months. Fantastic. We'll be getting them out rather quickly to keep (laughs) everyone entertained. So thanks, Lisa, and have a terrific day. Thanks. Thanks for listening today, and if you would like to find out more, please visit our Facebook page, Sailing Women's Network Australia. You can also contact us via our website, sailingwomensnetwork.com.au. Have a great day.